Welcome to the Lion's Roar Dharma Center podcast from Dona Darge Temple. This public talk by a student of Lama Yeshe Jinpa was recorded during a regularly scheduled Sunday service. All right, well, thank you for coming out here again. Uh, my name's Connor. Um, I'm one of uh, Lama Yeshe Jinpa's students, um, and I'm giving the talk today. And just make sure you guys can all hear me, all right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so my talk today is on compassionate organizations. Um, and this is sort of continuing our Shambhala journey we've been taking since uh, summertime. Um, and on this journey, we've uh, heard different speakers. Uh, Lama's given several talks, and other students have given several talks. Um, these talks have included, most recently, uh, Morris gave a great talk on poetry. So in Shambhala, we have different people, and some of these people are poets. We've heard about poets, and what is poetry, and, and the joy that poetry brings. Um, We've heard about love from Patty and, and how does love bring us together and what does our love do for us and how does that affect our, our uh, passion. We heard about aversion from Andrew and the clashes of aversion and what do we do with our aversion and how does that affect our ability to work with our practice. How do we work with aversion and in our meditation and in our lives. Um, Jackie gave us a great talk about community, and I'll talk a little bit more about community versus organization in a little bit. Dirk talked about Guru Rinpoche. Um, Lama's given us a whole bunch of talks about specifically even organization of Shambhala. Um, so we've heard a whole bunch of different things. Um, I know Marie's given us a bunch of talks, several of them actually. But all these things... Yeah, um, it, you know, and, and a lot of these other students know a lot more about Shambhala and, and Kalachaka than I do. Um, and my background is law, so I know a little bit more about uh, sort of businessy, legalistic organization stuff. So I've had to work a little bit with Lama about, you know, sort of what's the Shambhala side of organization. Um, and I've drawn on some of these other talks that have happened recently, which has been interesting. And, and so sort of pulling together my learning recently to bring together this talk. Um, well, let's talk for a second about organizations versus community. So community is sort of the people. Right? What do the people bring to each other? How do communities come together? Right? How, do, how does the structure of the community work? That's sort of the organization. What is the chosen structure is sort of what I'm going to talk about. There's sort of an organic structure that comes within community. And I'm differentiating because these things get really murky really quickly between the people and the structure. And there's no clear line. right? I'm not going to make a very firm line between the two because I just can't. There's just no good way to do that. When you talk about community, you are talking about the structure. You're talking about how people come together, why they come together, what they do together. And in a lot of ways, you are also talking about, you know, how they're structuring themselves. And when I'm talking about an organization, particularly within sort of the Shambhala side, the, the tantric side, which I'm going to get into, I'm also talking about how the people have come together, how people have structured them, and how people interact with each other. So there's not a clear line, and I don't intend to make a clear line. Um, I don't want there to be a clear line. 
because what my goal is actually is to get us to see and to sort of bring myself really to see that within my practice and within my life, there's not a clear line. I don't want there to be a clear line between my meditation practice and my life. And that's actually what I'm getting at with my talk, is that my life and my practice are intertwined. My community and my organization are intertwined. Um, And that's where I'm going with this. So uh, community and organization are intertwined. One affects the other. You can't really have a community. You can't have more than three or four people together without some sort of structure. Not that we're designating things, not that we're forcing people into roles, but that there is sort of, oh, you know, we're going to cook Thanksgiving dinner together. Well, someone's going to baste the turkey, and someone's going to open the fridge, and someone's going to do the mashed potatoes. And it may just happen. You know, maybe last year someone did a really bad job in mashed potatoes, so someone's going to, like, swoop in and do the mashed potatoes. And that's sort of a structural thing, or that's a community thing, however you want to see that. But that is part of an organization process, right? Someone's going to do the dishes because the dishes have to get done. Or someone's not going to do the dishes, and we're going to have an organization or a community problem because we're not going to use the, the kitchen tomorrow because it's full of dishes. So those are sort of the, the considerations that we actually get to make when we're structuring community and organization. But if we have an organization, if we have some sort of structure, then we actually do get the dishes done and we do get to use the sink tomorrow. So that's a benefit of having an organization and having a role to fill and filling that role and having some sort of accountability and responsibility for doing the dishes, is that the sink's available tomorrow to, you know, make coffee or wash the dishes again tomorrow. Um, So currently, here in Lion's Roar, um, we actually do have an organizational model uh, that's tantric. Um, It's based off of sort of the tantric model of body and mind, Um, and that's actually the symbolic model is that um, what we have is a centralized model of Lama in the middle, and he's sort of our heart center, and everything sort of flows out around him. Um, And that's sort of the the marriage of emptiness and appearance, is that we don't always see him, but we're all sort of moving around him. Our practice moves around him. We all sort of have our own practices at home, our own practices here at Temple, but we all sort of check in. You know, the blood moves out, the blood flows in. Um, And this was an intentional model. It was structured this way. It could have been structured differently. So when we think of this model of how Lion's Roar is created and how it could have been created differently, we can actually think of our own lives and how we separate or, or bring together our own lives. But let's just look right now at Lion's Roar. So right now, if we just think of the building, and we've all heard Lama say this, it's actually written on the big poster that's over on the door, 
the temple is our body. You hear Lama say this a lot. Um, it, you know, think of the organization as a body. Each of us comes, each of us goes, new people come in, new people go out, and we sort of all flow around and we all sort of take on things. Um, some of us try to move closer towards the middle, some of us move closer towards the outside, that's what we want. But, you know, Lama's office is in the middle of the building. It just sort of happens because that's how the building works out. Um, and there's some protocols that happen with the office, but you guys know that whenever the doors open, you can just walk in. Like, a lot of people don't know that. You just walk in, you know, say hello and sit down. You can just plop down, and if something's going on that uh, he needs fewer people in the room, he'll let you know. But you don't have to sit outside. You can just walk right in. It's sort of something that is an interesting thing that doesn't happen with all people. You can't just necessarily walk into your boss's office even if the door's opened. You can't do that with, you know, the White House. They say you can, but you really can't. Um, if you go to the, the governor's or the uh, state capitol, you can literally just walk into the state capitol. I mean, you've got to go sec- through security, but you can literally just walk through security and go right in. And if there's a door open, you just walk right in. You guys know that? You don't have to pay to get in there. You just walk right in. So it's, it's an interesting sort of model that we have with government. It's not the case everywhere. I mean, if you try to go to the mayor's office in Los Angeles, good luck. That, that building's really hard to get into. But here at State Capitol, you can just walk right in. A little tent, you just walk right up. You might have to wait in line for a little bit, but you know that building is really accessible. Um, so is Lama's office. You just walk right in, sit down. You know, just talking to someone, you can say hi, and just sit down, have a conversation. Um, but there's also layering, right? So once you get in there, there's some different things that happen. This happens within a lot of different uh, monastic sort of communities. So a Lama's house and a Lama's house's uh, sort of staff. There's actually a name for that. It's called Laubring. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but that's what it actually is. It's sort of this structure and this staff that happens to um, keep high-level teachers like the Dalai Lama, keep that staff working, to keep everything that happens, to keep the schedules going. So you know, even within organizations, there's different structures. And this happens everywhere. You know, it happens, you know, there's the, the secretary of the boss, right? You see it a lot within military structures, right? So you have the whole military, then you have the brigade or the battalion, and it gets smaller and smaller and more and more specialized. So this does also happen here. You know, we have the people who clean, patty, right? I mean, we just have more people who clean. We need more people who clean. So if you want to clean, talk to Patty, right? We have little Buddhas. We have a bunch of people who do that. Um, you know, Marie, you work on a lot of the, the booklets. We probably need some help with that sometimes with, you know, printing, picking up, and folding. So, it, you know, there's these different specialized things that happen here at Lions Roar 
that uh, people get involved with, flowers, you know, all these things that happen after you do the maintenance and the outside. So all these little specialized things um, that are really all parts of this body, right? all these things that come together, all this part of this organization. Uh, and it's all part of this awareness that comes together within this model. And it's all part of practice. And that keeps the temple working, keeps us working. But then on the other side of this that we all really forget about a lot is that we're also a nonprofit organization. And we're also a 501c3. And that was also an intentional move. So we could have been a different type of organization. We could have been a for-profit organization. We could have been a different type of corporation. There's a whole bunch of different types of corporations that Alliance Roar could have been within governmental structure. And that's also Shambhala. Shambhala actually has two structures. And it has sort of the religious side and the government side, the civil side. So most most of the time when you have sort of two competing structures, you end up with people wanting to do some sort of check and balance. And that can get challenging. And that's sometimes where you get into issues. So other types of things that you can do is that you could have a check and balance. You could have a democratic situation where you do voting and where you have, uh, you know, a religious board and a separate board, a, a 501c3 board. We don't have that here, but we could. I mean, do we want to have some discussion on the pros and cons on that? Uh, so we have, a, we have a board of directors, right? But we don't have any sort of religious uh, practice board and there's no checks and balance. Oh, you're running the business side poorly. Oh, you're running the religious side poorly. We're integrated. But some organizations aren't. So I've been in churches where there are actually separate situations, where there is like a, a board of directors side and deacons and they operate separately. There's some crossover usually, because they're usually smaller, but they're very separate. And they have separate business meetings, and they do separate things, and they tend to fight. So there's, you know, there's options like that. I guess what comes to my mind first is having uh, separate boards would allow for more specialization. Allowing the separate boards would allow for more specialization. But um, while that does seem advantageous, my understanding of Shambhala and um, this practice in general is that separation isn't what we're after and that um, even the business side of the house should be run with um, spiritual values in mind. Do you think we could accomplish both? That would be my hope. And I think that's 
at least a lot of the message I've gotten from readings and teachings. Well, and there are There is always the possibility of trying to do it both ways, and I think there's probably organizations that have tried that, and I don't know if they've been successful. So I don't know if anyone's been a part of an organization that has tried to do that and been successful. I'm saying that um, you know, I, I agree with Matthew, you know, Tantra means, you know, weaving together. So um, I think there's value in having the people who are running the money, having the same view, ultimately, as the people who are doing the practice. So I think the, for us at least, for our purposes and for our, our particular philosophy and, and view, that having the people who are like doing the business part also be practitioners is probably optimum um, just like on a communication basis even. Um, so we're all speaking the yeah. same language, so to speak, and coming from the same place of values and, and same view. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I, I think it could be done, but it, it's by nature very messy and that's the way it should be when you mix two things that are kind of like oil and vinegar. One's very um, a, the business side of an organization is you know lines and pluses and minuses and things and spiritual practice isn't like that at all and some the difficulty is that sometimes people have a hard time adapting to things being messy Yes, that's very true. And at the same time, do you think it's possible to make those lines and the money part of the spiritual practice? Yeah, I just came back from Srivasti Abbey. They very much do that. Can you give us an example of how that happens? Or how you saw that happen or, or your impression of that happening? Everything is um, based on dharma and practice. And however, they have to keep the lights running. Mm -hmm. And so, it, you know, they work work angles. It's a worldwide organization. I mean, they have money and things coming in from all over. But ultimately, you know, you might have your two cents about what you think is the right thing to do. But that's not how they run it. You know, they're. I don't really know who the boss person is. I mean, it's venerable children ultimately. But there are other boss people in that structure. But everything is based on dharma. Yeah, and, and that's actually a really good comment because with this Tantra model there is actually someone in the center there is someone in, in the responsible driver's seat um, and that that puts a lot of responsibility in the middle um, and a lot of it, almost in a way also decentralization right because there's all these things happening on the outskirts and decisions that do need to be made, and how do they filter in? And that sometimes has been a little bit of a challenge, right? Well, we need to do X, Y, Z. You know, the, the door needs to be fixed. We need to fix it. How do we fix the door? How do we want to fix the door? Who makes the choice about how the door gets fixed? 
I have some ideas, you have some ideas, who has some ideas, who chooses who, how the door gets fixed. And so these sorts of decentralized structures can get a little bit challenging, I think. And that's just in my experience of seeing this, is that, well, where does the buck actually stop and who actually gets to make the decision? And how is this structure actually efficient in that way? Coming from a legal standpoint, from you know, my training as a lawyer of, you know, there is a hierarchy, there is this, there is that, you know, you make this choice, you make this choice, and if the choice goes wrong, it comes back to you because you're at the bottom of the pole. It, and that's fine, you just sort of have to suck that up because you're at the bottom of the pole and you understand that you started this uh, decision-making process and that's sort of part of your learning experience. This sort of diffused decision-making process feels a little wonky to me. It feels a little wobbly. Um, and yet it's really sort of incredible how efficient things actually get done. And maybe it's just because of the size of the structure, the size of the organization that we have here, that our community is tight-knit, that we trust each other, that we have this very, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to say close community that we have the wisdom mind, the yeshi here, that, that we're all here together, that we do these things and we make it happen. Um, so the door does get fixed, and things do happen, even with this interesting, diffuse structure. Um, which sort of leads me into the next part of my talk about what is the goal of the organization? And when you start to get into, well, our goal is practice, well, what exactly does that mean? How does that structure, how does this diffuse structure, where we have people who are out on the outskirts, and we have people who are inside, how does this structure actually bring us all to the goal? Which I'm assuming, because we are Vajrayana, our goal is to work for the liberation of all living creatures. Um, that we really want to pull everyone along. So how are we pulling the people who are on the outside along? How are we bringing other people along? How does the inside and the outside work together? How does this appearance of emptiness work together? Does anyone have ideas? Can you use the mic? I think one of the ways that um, is really genius that, that Lama has come up with is um, including secular and sacred practices, you know, alike. We have, we literally have something for everyone. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you are looking for a more religious experience, you can take refuge and you can really, you know, dive into the tantric side of things. If you want basic mindfulness training, we can give that to you. Um, if it's, I actually was touching on that in my last talk where, you know, we really have something that meets everyone's needs, um, kind of no matter where you're at, and then the really incredible thing is there's room for you to move mm -hmm. from one place to another. So, you know, it, it just, it's the genius of the kind of diffuse nature of the organization 
that there are a lot of places you can go and still be part of it. And I think that's the really tantric thing about it. Yeah. Is that everything's interwoven. So it's it's not you're over here, you're over here, and you're doing this and you're doing this. It's all one beautiful thing. Right. Yeah, you're not stuck in one position for, you know, you can only do this for this long. You have to stay over here for this long. You have to, you know, complete all these things before you can move on to something else. It's, oh, I want to try this. I want to try that. I want to do this. You get to move around. You get to try different things. You get to, you know, hey, I want to come to Monday night and see what Monday night's like and then go, holy mother of what have I gotten myself into? I'm going to Wednesday night beginner meditation for a while because I can't do that. And that's fine. And that's wonderful. And that's beautiful. And, you know, we have all these people who show up to everything and some people who show up to nothing and only come once or twice a month or once or twice a year. And we get to support you and see you and enjoy everyone's company. And that's, that's wonderful. Um, and hopefully... You know, we have a website that reaches even more people. So I really, you know, think that the diffuseness of it, rather than you have to be here, you have to be here all the time, you know, you sort of, you only get what is right in front of you, what is right here, that sort of thing you get stuck with, you know? Um, and, and so... The organizational structure that we have seems to work for a lot of different people. Right? We have people in the community that come in. We bring people from the outside. We get people who come in, you know, who just visit us once or twice. We get people who come in and who are here almost every day of the week. Um, and yet things still get done, right? I'm sure we'd like some more things to get done. We have a lot of projects that we'd like to do. Um, we could have growth, but the more we grow, the more our structure may get heavier. And just because we have a, a bigger structure or that, you know, we get more pies in the kitchen, more pies in the kitchen does not necessarily mean that we all get more pie, right? If we have more things going on doesn't necessarily mean that all of us get more of it. We just may need to have actually more people to carry the pie. So, you know, we need to make sure that when we have more things going on, that we have more people to, to carry that structure and to carry those things around. So sometimes growth can actually be more challenging. We are a small, small organization, and we have a lot of things going on already. We have a lot of people coming in here a lot, right? I mean, I don't think we actually keep track of how many people we have coming in each week. I don't know if anyone, how did you know, anyone? Like, you know, Mondays, like the whole, yeah, all the groups. We don't have any idea. I mean, that would be an interesting number. Yeah. I mean, that would actually be really interesting. Yeah? 
I just had a comment. Um, you know, you know this diffuse, diffuse quality that you're talking about. Um, I'm not sure if this is related or not, but I once heard Lama say something like, uh, "This, uh, you know, he, he sometimes he kind of messes things up on purpose, and um, and <laughs> and um, he makes projects." I've had to do projects that actually don't need to be done, that are no one needs to do. That's my project to do. It's, it feels so weird. <laughs> but yeah. um, I just mentioned that that he's everything that is going on here is meant for um, waking people up, including working with uh, difficult people. And he always says the most difficult person is yourself. And um, and just these different projects, sometimes he'll start something and you get real involved with it and then he's canceled it before you've even, especially after you put a lot of effort into it. Right. Anyway, I just wanted to say that. Yeah. I, you know, I was actually talking with Lomola about sort of how traditional Vajrayana organizations are actually like orchestras. And there's sort of two metaphors that were going on there. Um, so the first one is that all orchestras sort of have the two structures. You know, you've got the business and the musicians and the music and the conductor, and then you have the business side. So there's, there's sort of the two sides there. And then within the music, you've got the practice and the music and the changes to the music, and you've got, you know, the conductor making changes and the musicians getting frustrated and it's hot and it's, you know, everyone's got to be quiet and then everyone's making so much noise. And then there's this wonderful metaphor that I remember from a, a book that I was reading as a child of a, a young conductor who had you know, written his first symphony and he was conducting it and he was getting really, really frustrated by trying to teach this entire orchestra his beautiful piece for the first time. And you know, after several hours of, of going through this music and you know, the, you know, the feeler's going too slow and the trumpet's going too fast and the timpani coming in too soon, the, the more seasoned conductor pulling him aside and, and saying, you know, the orchestra is like an octopus. It's got many legs and it all moves at a different time and it takes a little bit for it all to come together to go in the same direction at the same time. And so, in a way, even within the organization, within the structure, with all the little different pieces coming together, and you're you know, stopping one piece and you're going at another rate, and even though Ram is sort of conducting and trying to move us together, move us for a single purpose, uh, we're all moving at a different time. Right? And so it's taking a while for us to all be moving on the same path, in the same direction, or even to get us onto the path, for us to see where the path is. So, you know, it's sort of the slow process of, okay, you got to stop, you guys got to go take a break, I'm going to add in some breaks here, I'm going to add in some notes here. So it's sort of that same thing, is that sometimes we get a little side piece, a little, you know, extra bit at the end that we weren't 
uh, expecting. So it, it is interesting that the organization changes based on the individuals. So, thank you. Um, do you have a comment? Part of our whole mission is to uh, the things that we learn, do, whatever here, and it's not just with um, this Buddhist center, it's with many religions, you know. It's something that is supposed to be carried throughout every part of our life. And so for many people, it's, you know, after you leave here, it's something different. And then when you come here, it's something different again. And it's not that flow you're talking about is supposed to flow wherever we go in our lives. Yeah. Thank you. So there's other uh, sorts of things that um, structures can help with, and it's sort of part of that. And these are that sometimes structures come with isms, racisms, inequalities, those sorts of things. And if our structure can prevent these things, um, and our structure can help not isolate and not privatize things, uh, aren't these things that we want? Um, and the things that we want in our structure, such as maintaining institutional knowledge, being able to pass things down from teacher to student or generation to generation, um, and this sort of flow, to be able to show how we can apply these things to outside and to maintain a future of our, our organization maybe even when the center of our organization changes. Make sure that we have safety within our organization. These are all good things that uh, having a strong body for our organization is actually uh, required. Um, and I'm wondering if any of you guys have ideas about that. How we make sure that we keep our body strong and not just our mind strong. Keeping the people here and the people practicing and making sure that we maintain our own practice here and outside, making sure that uh, we are open to everything and maybe that includes uh, being open to other structures, other other structures. What kind of structures do we not want at Temple if we needed to change it? If you have something to say, you don't need to say something. Well, so organizationally, we can put into practice things that actually end up excluding or that institutionalize certain ideas or beliefs that may not actually be beneficial in the long run. So, for example, I'm just going to give you a really blatant one. Uh, right now in America, where people live affect your educational opportunities. You live in an area that is poor or African-American, 
your school education opportunities are worse. Your schools have less funding, you're more likely to be African American or brown, and uh, you don't have many educational opportunities because the funding sucks, which affects your job opportunities, which affects your ability to thrive in life, and that is an institutional problem. Institutional racism. So how we have structured things affects opportunities. So that sort of thing. I mean, we're still you know, in this building fairly young, and I'm not an older member of this organization. You know, I'm really young within this organization. Um, so I've come into something that is more established than I am. Uh, and the opportunities that I've seen here are actually really open and really great. Um, so, you know, but there, there's opportunities that I don't see. There's things that I'm not aware of. Uh, but, you know, change can happen at any point, at any place, at any time. And maybe people who come here occasionally might want something different than I do. Someone who's never been here might see something that's, uh, you know, I don't see. Um, there's all these sorts of opportunities that we have for change or for growth or for opportunity or, uh, you know, things that uh, someone, like, you've been here for a very long time that we just don't see anymore. You know, it's like you walk into your house and you may not see the scuff on the wall that was made there ten years ago. I, I see. Yeah. I'm talking. You are talking today. <laughs> well, when I first started coming here long ago, uh, the people uh, had white hair mainly and gray hair and old, like me, or at least... I'm not super old, but you know, and now what I'm, my wish is, you know, whenever anyone comes in that's younger, even, even better, if they have a kid, I feel very hopeful. Is this what you're talking about? Yeah. Like, like that we're not just, you know, um, just wanting everything just perfect, just so, and just people be quiet, sit down, look like me come from my background, like, you know, you want... Definitely one thing, yeah. That's what I was thinking. So how do we get more kids? Well, Gingerbread House is next Sunday. Well, they're welcome to well, do them, yeah, too. <laughs> but, but we need, um, you know, it's right now only twice a month, which is confusing for people. Like, which time are we doing it? needs more help. And uh, also when people come, they maybe didn't bring their kids, but they maybe have kids, so we should let people know that their kids are really important. They're the future. It's literally the future. So that's just one thought. your organization remains to some degree steady. You may have 
yeah. changes in leadership. You may have, you'll always have changes in who's coming and going, and you're saying, okay, well, what if, you know, Susie or Bobby want this to happen instead? So I think you have to look at it. Of course, you don't want to, you know, show bias or segregate or, you know, you want to be all inclusive, but everybody can't have everything, right? So there has to be some way to um, figure out how whatever is offered as, as something that needs to be changed or whatever fits into the context of how this organization is flowing. And um, certainly it'll look different. I mean, I think of a lot of organizations, you know, um, you've been a part of something for 30 years and then all of a sudden it changes and, oh, it's so terrible. And it's not necessarily, you know, it, it, and everything has to, everything just keeps changing. That's the constant. And so you have to figure out how you manage that change within the organization mm -hmm. so that um, it can, I don't want to say keep up with the times, but, you know, continue to flow and grow and, you know, whatever, whatever is deemed appropriate for the organization at that time. And, you know, maybe at some point you don't want it to grow as much as you think you do. I mean, you, s you said yourself, Lama has you do things that maybe you don't really need to be doing. And so it, it, everything's with a purpose. And um, however it changes, I would think that you'd want to keep some degree of the same philosophy of how it started to begin with. Yeah. Well, and um, I think actually one of the uh, one of the reasons for one of the reasons for a tantric model is that it is changeable. It is malleable. Right, and that that's sort of one of the one of the actual definitions of tantra right is is change right it is that continuity of change um, so uh, we do definitely need that sort of stability and growth um, and that's sort of where the heart mind leadership comes from is that that center we need that center to be able to have a way for the organization and for the structure to be able to have the community come in. And the community sort of flows around. Um, that's sort of the, the challenge for any organization. I think that, yeah, it's, it's really having people come in and like perform activities, whatever activities, give a talk, prepare for a teacher to come, mow the lawn, interacting with the community while maintaining the view of interdependence, oh. impermanence, so that we don't get locked into, well, this is what, you know, I've been doing for the past five years, and then all of a sudden it changes and you freak out. Yeah. You know, and, and like for those of us who've been around for a while, we remember back when there were like, you know, eight or ten people who came regularly, and that was it. And so, those eight or ten people ended up doing everything, and now we have like 60 people who can do stuff. So it's like, you know, allowing that change to occur, allowing everybody to participate, and finding everybody's, there's all these people with incredible skills 
that they're bringing to the table were so fortunate. So finding places for them to be within the ebb and flow is, uh, uh, you know, all of that cause and effect is really kind of the key. So it's, it's forward momentum, but it's non-linear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so let me give a few uh, closing words, and then we'll take a break, and then come back and uh, do some meditation. Unless there's anyone else who has some comments or questions. Okay. Um, so I think that the tantric model is uh, really sort of based on one of our closest phenomenal experiences, which is really our body. Um, you know, we, we recognize it really easily. We, our head, our shoulders, our neck, our body, our, our legs, our feet, our arms, our hands. Um, and Mama really talks about the temple as our body. And it, it's not really something just because it's something to be taken care of, but it's also something to be cherished. Uh, and I, I think it's to help us really develop that phenomenal experience of the temple as our body and as the organization as our body to be cherished as well. Um, Tantra works to break down the barriers of the thing and the, the non-thing. And it's a bit more odd to think in these terms of the organization, uh, the non-thing as a barrier, the emptiness. But interconnectedness and interdependentness, interdependence is still the foundation of those things. This has been a Lion's Roar Dharma Center recording. For more information, visit lionsroardharmacenter.org.